Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Hi, Britton. Hi, Matt. How you doing? I'm really busy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sounds like you're so busy, maybe you need an agent to help you out. Maybe I just need a personal assistant. So if you got a personal assistant, kind of what would their duty be to you? Would they have, say, for example, a, a fiduciary duty? No, that would be if they were my agent. <laughs> See what I did there? So agency relationships are perhaps, I think, one of the most important and least understood concepts in real estate. Um, and agency relationships aren't specific, obviously, to real estate. Anyone can engage another individual to be their agent. And when we go around agency duty, we always talk around fiduciary duty, um, which is a lovely sounding word, but most people have no idea what it is. So let's kind of start with what uh, an agent, uh, the agency definition and what an agent does. And then maybe you can pop us through a couple of different types we see. Sure. All right. So fiduciary duties include, among others, loyalty, confidentiality, and the exercise of utmost care, and in certain situations, reasonable care. It entails the full and complete disclosure of all material facts, the obligation to account to the principal, the obligation to act fairly and honestly and without fraud or deceit, and the duty to explain and counsel about that which has been disclosed or should have been disclosed, thereby allowing the principal to make an informed and considered decision to buy, sell, lease, exchange, borrow, or lend. So that is what an agent does. Who do they do it for? So in California, we have three kinds of agency. And this does differ by state. So depending on where you're listening from, dear listeners, your um, your state may differ. But in and, California, and as long as we're tossing in disclaimers, we're not offering legal advice. We're attorneys, and this is just general information. If you're trying to like get free legal advice for your specific situation from our podcast, that's a bad idea. True story. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, and I don't even play one on TV. So well, I would totally hire you as a television attorney. You'd be phenomenal. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. My hair must look really good today. So, back to the topic at hand, Matt. Focus. Types of agency in California. Numero uno, buyer agency. Numero dos. (laughs) And I'm practicing (laughs) my Spanish suddenly for some reason. Uh, Seller agency. And number three is dual agency. And the buyer and seller agency are pretty self-explanatory that if the agent has an agency relationship with the buyer, that agent owes the fiduciary duty that you read off to the buyer. If the, if the agent had, and by agent, I mean the salesperson or the broker has an agency relationship with the seller, the agent has a fiduciary duty to the seller. And I think, um, the other kind of part where people start to get confused is that who has that duty? Does, does it lie with the individual? Obviously the individual is, you know, like I'm, I'm an agent of Jackson Fuller real estate now because we're our own brokerage. Congratulations us. Um, so I am acting on behalf of the brokerage. So, um, but what if there's another person at the brokerage interest on that property? Like where on each so it's with the buyer and seller and who? It's with the brokerage. Um, so 
you are Matt Fuller of Jackson Fuller Real Estate. And say you have uh, an agency relationship with your client, Joe, who is the seller. That relationship is you've signed the form with that client, but Joe. When we signed that form, I was just working with another seller. So we signed, you know, like I talked about it, I'm like, hey, this is seller agency right now. Right. Right. So, but his agency relationship, it flows through you as the agent, but the relationship is with the company, it is with the brokerage. So if we sit down with a brand new seller and sign a listing agreement today, our seller would have an agency relationship with Jackson Fuller Real Estate. If I'm signing the listing agreement as Britton Jackson, the salesperson, that's fine. But the agency relationship is not with me personally. It's with my brokerage, which is Jackson Fuller Real Estate. And this becomes very important because here I am and uh, I've got our seller, Joe, with this phenomenal listing. And you're at the same brokerage as me, and you sit down and you meet with a new buyer named Betty. And it turns out Betty is going to buy Joe's house. So do you have a buyer agency and a buyer relationship with Betty or what? So when Betty and I sit down and establish our relationship that I'm going to be helping her find her house... We have a buyer agency relationship. If I take her into your listing, even though you've signed the listing agreement, you're Jackson Fuller, I'm Jackson Fuller. It is now dual agency because it is both agency relationships run at the brokerage level, not at the agent level. But wait a second. The only person I talk to, the only person that'll talk to me is Joe. Like I've never met Betty. I don't know Betty. I don't want to call Betty. But you're telling me because you met with Betty and we're both at the same brokerage collectively we own the same duties to Betty as we owe to Joe and what was individual seller agency and individual buyer agency has now become dual agency. Correct. That's where people get confused. So that is, um, with, I mean, we're sitting here talking about we're, we're now a brokerage of five people. This may happen. We may list something that one of, one of us on the, on our, in our brokerage wants to represent a buyer, but some of the companies in town have 300, 400 agents. This happens all the time. And dual agency is totally legal in California as long as it's disclosed and accepted. And there, there's a couple of um, differences in the fiduciary relationship and the, the, the laws about what you can and cannot do as a dual agent. Number one, you can't tell your coworker from the same brokerage, well, my buyer will pay more. Um, and then the, the, the listing side, the agent who is representing the seller is not allowed to say, well, my seller will take less. But guess what? We don't do that anyway because that's stupid. <laughs> that's just bad negotiation. So it's, it's against the law and it's dumb. So we're, we're, I mean. But it's always stupid. So we just, you know, never yeah. do it. Exactly. Yeah, so that's that's sort of the the difference between um, that's the difference among buyer agency, seller agency, and dual agency. And the the situation that people think of, I think, uh, as being dual agency is the one where I walk into your listing at an open house, and you're there representing the seller because it's your listing, and you're actually the listing agent attending your own open house. And I walk in, and I'm unrepresented, and I say, "Hey, you're going to write this offer for me because we're doing a deal, and we'll get past." All the objections that we normally draw at that point. Let's say you, you agree to work with me. 
So people think that dual agency is often it's just when the same individual right. is working with the buyer and the seller, but it's not. It's actually one level higher than that. It's whoever owns kind of the, the legal entity that's conducting the transaction. Right. It runs at the brokerage level. Absolutely. So, and the, the disclosure process has kind of three, the agency process has kind of three parts to it. Uh, the disclosure about agency relationships, the actual election of agency relationships, and then confirmation. And this is very confusing because two of these steps involve paperwork. Uh, one of them typically doesn't. Um, the disclosure step is the very first step and, you know, it's, it happens very early on, but absolutely before you write an offer where you're presented with the California Civil Code that actually spells out buyer agency, seller agency, dual agency, you sign off that you've been given that. You're not signing off that you agree to any of those, just that you've been given the information and you understand the various types of agency that are available to you. Right. Then in... Contracts, that's where you're typically finding in California, there's actually the confirmation where you say, this agent is my buyer's agent, this is the seller's agent, or this agent is the dual agent. But in between there is the election step, which is like, I actually pick you to write my offer. And, you know, there's never any paperwork. There's just, it's, in my experience, it's implied, right? Like, we've disclosed, they decide they like us, we start working together. That's the process of election. Right. And that's, um, and I, I know this isn't on our notes here, but that's actually something that you have to be careful with when you are talking to someone who is represented by another agent and you are giving information to someone else's client or acting as an agent and, and, and you may not mean to, but it's really, it's called implied agency when you start saying, well, if you write an offer with blah, 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 and you are giving advice to a potential principal and you are acting as that person's agent. So the lines can get blurred. And I recently did a transaction with an agent who was CCing her clients on pretty much every email to me. And I said, yeah, you got to cut that out <laughs> because um, it, I'm not their agent. And I did not want to be having those conversations with them because you need to keep the lines clear between who you're representing. This is like kind of such a, a minor detail on that one, but it's one that it's like when we're signing contracts uh, with DocuSign and we're using routing, right? It goes to the buyer. It's like even if you know the seller's email address, it's not your business to put it in if you're representing the buyer, right? It's like my buyer will sign, we'll, we'll present you a, a buyer complete contract, then you talk with your seller and you know you get the rest of the, the signatures. Even though kind of technology wise, you could just put it all in there and be like my buyer signing and your seller signing, then it goes to everyone's transaction coordinator and. It's just very interesting because, like in in the olden days, that wasn't really even a possibility, right? You didn't know the seller's fax number or like you know any of these other pieces, so you would never try and get their signature on it too. You didn't know the um, address for the carrier pigeon. Exactly. Who <laughs> <Go> west? <laughs> We've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> So, but I, the thing that kind of strikes me uh, about agency relationships is that in in the per in the process of buying a house, uh, you buy a house, but in that process, you're also typically going to get a mortgage, and you're going to get people that help you find the house. And my experience is the buyers just decide like, I want that house, and whatever this other stuff that comes with it is just whatever, right? Whatever agent, whatever loan, whatever, whatever. And 
you know, yes, what you are left with at the end of the day, what lives with you forever is, is the house that you bought. But if it's the largest asset you're most likely going to purchase, should you just treat it like a McDonald's hamburger where you walk up to the first available cash register and say, I'd like a Happy Meal? Or do you consider this to be such a large purchase that you want to research the people that are going to be giving you advice and make sure that they know what they're doing and they've maybe done this before and are going to be able to, to tell you what you don't know you need to know? I'll take door number two, please. <laughs> um, I mean, when I bought my first house, it wasn't in California, it was in Virginia. And the very first thing I did, and I'm here, you know that, uh, is I went and looked for a buyer's agent. I didn't even look at houses, right? I mean, I knew the general area I wanted to be in, but I wanted to find somebody to explain it all to me. That's me. When you bought a house, what did you do? My first house, um, it's interesting because my sister bought a house about a year before I bought a house. And I used her agent because this was back um, before information wanted to be free. And you had to have an agent to get listings. Nothing was... I mean, the internet? What's that? And we... uh, Yes, I'm old. Uh, so to to get all of the listings, you had to have an agent. And so she would fax me listings. Uh, the first place I always look at, I got faxes. Like every Friday, I would get this huge oh, yeah. pile of like on my inkjet fax machine. Oh, like, dude. Um, mine was the thermal paper. <laughs> like, there was one picture on the state map. And it was, you know, like two inches by two inches. And of course, you know, completely black fax. Oh, yeah. My first house that I bought was in 1991 in Austin, Texas, in the middle of a recession. So it was like, which HUD house was I going to buy? It wasn't, I didn't actually buy a HUD house, but I bought my first house for $34,000. But you hooked up, not hooked up, you connected with an agent prior to the next part, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I mean, you had to start with an agent at that point. And I know now most buyers start their searches online. They start looking around, they start, you know, looking at neighborhoods and then the agent that, you know, people pick their agent at varying points throughout the pro, you know, yeah, different yeah, people yeah. pick a different entry point for the agent into the thing. And, uh, but yeah, back when I bought my first house in 1991, if you needed information, you needed an agent. Yeah, and I think that's, you know... To get started at the very beginning. And and when we both started, well, when you started before me in in California real estate, you know, it was still very much like that. You know, it wasn't that you had to, but people typically engage with an agent much earlier in the process than they do now um, because, you know, there's so much more information that's available online. um, And there are parts of that that I think are great, and there are parts that I think create some unexpected issues. Mm -hmm. I would agree. So, so yeah, so there are three kinds of agency in California, buyer agency, seller agency, and dual agency. And people typically uh, get confused or, or there's lack of communication around dual agency because it runs with the brokerage. And even, for example, for really big brokerages like a global banker or a Sotheby's, doesn't matter if they're owned by the same individual. I mean, it's dual agency if... If it's two global banker offices owned by two completely separate people, but it's global banker, it's a dual agency. Well, there you have it. There you have it. So uh, this all kind of started uh, because of the, a tangle uh, in the previous episode where we had a comment from some folks at the website uh, about uh, a really unfortunate situation. So we thought we'd kind of start unpacking it. And we, uh, we unpacked agency in this one. So I hope you enjoyed it. Next up, we're going to talk about offers and presenting offers and multiple offers and offer, it's offer palooza. Where it gets even more confusing. <laughs>
Oscar Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. 